Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Carmen Pugliafito, and I'm here today with Dr. Phil Rosenfeld from Baskin Palmer Eye Institute in Miami. Welcome back to Retina Synthesis, Phil. Oh, Carmen, thanks for the invitation. It's a pleasure to speak with you today. I'd like to talk about OCT, ONFAS OCT, and its role in elucidating intermediate AMD and other problems. Can you tell us a little bit about what we mean by ONFAS OCT? Well, ONFAS OCT starts with the B scan. And we became infatuated with the B scan, as you well know from your invention, along with Jim Fujimoto and others looking at OCT and time domain OCT. And back when time domain emerged in the early 2000s for clinical use, it really was all about the B scan. All we had were the diagonal B scans. And then along came spectral domain OCT. And the real power of spectral domain was to perform these dense raster scans that allowed us to generate macular thickness maps and allow us to locate pathology in the posterior pole, just like we would with a color fundus imaging or autofluorescence or fluorescein angiography. What fascinates me is why the individual B scan has continued to dominate our discussion while the dense raster scans have just been relegated for the most part for macular thickness map generation. And then along comes OCT angiography, which totally depends on dense raster scans and on FOSS imaging. And I think we're about to enter a new era of OCT. We at Baskin Palmer uh, have entered that era back 15 years ago. And that's how we follow patients with not only wet macular degeneration, but dry macular degeneration. But with the emergence of OCT angiography and all these wonderful algorithms that have developed the dense raster B-scan imaging in the back, back of the eye, I think the golden era of ONFAS imaging is about to surface. And um, as, as you all well know, I work closely with Carl Zeiss Meditech, you started that tradition at Baskin Palmer and I took over the OCT research team when you left. And it's truly amazing now that we've emerged with swept source OCT in 2016, the incredible variety of ONFAS imaging that we can perform. What about its role in understanding the pathogenesis of geographic atrophy? Um, geographic atrophy is my favorite topic, but you can't talk about geographic atrophy without thinking about the whole progression of disease and age-related macular degeneration. And in Western AMD, we start with an eye with typical drusen, and the drusen eye can progress to wet macular degeneration or geographic atrophy. So if we just talk about progression of drusen to geographic atrophy, ONFAS imaging is really, really powerful. We can not only image the drusen on an ONFAS projection, but we can measure the area and the volume of the drusen. And as you know, we've used that in spectral domain OCT imaging to identify risk factors for disease progression, just based on the volume and area of drusen in the central macula. We've got a pretty good idea which eyes are gonna progress to that next stage, which is geographic atrophy. And with swept source OCT, the imaging has gotten even better. and We've validated 
are algorithms that allow us to image uh, Jusen. And not only that, with ANFAS imaging, we can now visualize the evolution of Jusen to geographic atrophy. What happens, one of the first steps when Jusen start developing atrophic changes is the retinal pigment epithelium overlying the Jusen starts breaking down. And I remember we observed this with spectral domain 15 years ago, and that is as the retinal pigment epithelium breaks down, you start getting what we call hypertransmission defects. In the choroid, you start getting light streaking into the choroid. And on individual B-scan, it kind of looks like a barcode. But on ONFAS imaging, you can see this entire area where the Jusen was located becoming brighter if you focus on the light under the cord, and that's what's wonderful about Amphos imaging. You can segment just that region under the retinal pigment epithelium. And those individual juices start lighting up. They look like stars in the sky. And, and they're so easy to observe and they're so easy to grade. And that's the earliest manifestation of a juicing going to geographic atrophy. And then as you follow that along, the individual juice becomes atrophic, and then multiple Druze become atrophic, and the individual areas grow and enlarge. And you're, you can image the emergence of geographic atrophy using ONFAS imaging, just like you would follow fluorescent angiography or later stage atrophy with autofluorescence. But the remarkable thing about ONFAS OCT is if you try to see these changes on autofluorescence or infrared reflectance, these early changes just aren't present. You can only see them with ONFAS OCT imaging. Yeah, I think that's uh, the exciting point that I wanted to discuss this morning. Uh, you know, we're talking about complement inhibition in the treatment of geographic atrophy. But many people have said, why not treat eyes when they're intermediate AMD? So does ONFAS OCT provide uh, quantitative endpoints that could be used in monitoring pharmacotherapy? Carmen, that's an excellent quest question. And really the focus of our research right now, I had a wonderful fellow named Jeremy Liu last year who took our entire population of juicing cases that we've been following for years, and he was able to document their progression, measure the earliest onset of these hypertransmission defects and watch them grow. And one of the remarkable findings is how geographic atrophy grows. You know, the, the, the stereotypical um, thought of geographic atrophy growing is that it forms an area of atrophy and that area enlarges, but that's not how atrophy grows. The way atrophy grows is you get these individual foci of hypertransmission defects and geographic atrophy grows by those individual foci enlarging, and then new foci appear. It's kind of like Bitcoin. You mine for Bitcoin, and the atrophy grows because new foci appear, they grow, and they merge. So the evolution of atrophy in the early stages is very different than how atrophy appears once it's established and mature. And that's what we've been studying in all these complement inhibitors inhibitor studies. We've been looking at mature atrophy growing, but what we really want to do, and you alluded to this, what we really want to do is go back to the intermediate age-related macular degeneration and prevent those foci 
from forming. And we want to slow down the foci from growing once they form. And we want to prevent new ones from forming. So there's multiple shots on goal here. You can have a therapy that prevents the foci from forming. You can have a therapy that prevents those foci from growing once they form. And if that therapy prevents additional foci from forming, then you're actually going to overall slow down the establishment of geographic atrophy, which is what we really want. We want to be able to preserve vision for the duration of the patient's life. And if we can treat earlier, if we can prevent those foci from forming and enlarging as well, we've hit the target. Now, all the other methodologies that have been promoted, and I'm part of the classification of atrophy meeting group, and I strongly supported the formation of these categories of CRORA and IRORA, that's complete RP and outer retinal atrophy and incomplete RPE and outer retinal atrophy. And Robin Geimer's term, nascent GA, they're all excellent terms for showing the earliest manifestation of atrophy forming on individual B scans. But we've gone beyond individual B scans. Because think about it. If, if you really want a representation of the macula and all the areas where atrophy is forming, you need to represent the macula. You need dense B scan representation of the macula. But most of the time, when people generate B scans, they're generating, you know, 47, 50 B scans over region, at most 97 B scans. But with swept source OCT, we can generate 500 B scans in a six by six region like that. And we get a representation that allows us to see all the individual foci forming. And macular degeneration just doesn't progress along the horizontal dimension. And that's all the B scan gives you. It gives you a horizontal dimension. Age-related macular degeneration is a three-dimensional disease, and it can progress in a diagonal dimension or a vertical dimension. So you need dense B scans and an on-fos projection so you can see all the different foci of these hypertransmission defects being, being formed. So what we're proposing is let's study intermediate AMD, bring on the drugs, and we're going to study patients with a large Drusen burden, perhaps Drusen that have hyper pigmentation. And I'll get back to hyperpigmentation in a second. And that's another algorithm using swept source OCT that helps identify at-risk eyes. But we want to enroll patients with Drusen at high risk for disease progression, start treating them at the Drusen stage. Wouldn't it be great if we could prevent any hypertransmission defect from forming? Or maybe it's too late. I use the term dead retina walking, and we've observed this with geographic atrophy, but there's a lot of disease, a lot of photoreceptor loss, RPE dysfunction around the atrophy that's destined to die, even if we have the best treatment in, in the world. So it may be once we identify some at-risk drusen that some of them are going to progress, but we're going to save most of them. And even if some of them progress, we'll prevent the additional foci from forming and growing and enlarging and merging and slowing down disease progression. So you get multiple shots on goal. You satisfy the FDA in preventing not only the onset of hypertransmission defects, but their progression. And I'm just waiting to try all these new drugs that are emerging, particularly the complement inhibitors, and using them in intermediate AMD to demonstrate we can slow disease progression. Yeah, that's exciting. That's why I wanted to talk today. I do think we're we're near near starting a clinical trial with these uh, 
technologies? Well, I think the first step, the first step is to get these drugs through the phase three approval process. Because all the companies are focused on getting the drugs approved for geographic atrophy. The other limitation is how the drugs are delivered. Right now, these drugs have to be delivered with monthly injections. And I've been having this discussion with my patients now. And some patients will do anything to preserve as much vision as possible, particularly if they've already lost vision in one eye. But starting a monthly injection program with patients that have good vision and a huge Drusen burden and aren't aware of what's going to happen to their eyes, that's a tough nut to crack. And it's going to take a little while for us to really study some of these drugs in intermediate AMD, unless we can come up with a drug with greater durability, or even better, a drug that can be delivered systemically with an adequate safety profile. Do you think such an agent exists? Oh, we're working on, on it. I'm hopeful. I think all the complement inhibitors um, need to be delivered with a in a in a platform with greater dur durability. And there are several companies that have systemic therapy, which is particularly attractive because it gets to both eyes. And as we know, age-related macular degeneration is a bilateral disease. Talk to us about hyperpigmentation. So. We're joining, okay, hyper, you're gonna splice, splice that out, right? Okay, so hyperpigmentation is a risk factor that's been well-established by a number of different groups. And as Christine Curcio has shown histopathologically, the retinal pigment epithelial cells are going rogue. They're, they're, they're leaving the reservation and, 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 and fleeing into the retina, probably because of local ischemia and they're trying to find a more oxygen-rich environment. And when retinal pig pigment epithelium leaves the RPE, bad things happen in the long, long run. When it's an early indication that the retinal pigment epithelium is sick and it's probably thinning and you get the hypertransmission defects, but also it's these rogue RPE cells that probably are responsible for type three neovascularization or retinal angiomatous proliferation. So one of the challenges that a number of groups have faced is quantifying this hyperpigmentation because there are dots on, you can see them on individual B scans. And when you look at them on FOS, you see a bunch of dots in the retina, but there's not only hyperpigmentation along the RPE, but also in the red retina. And we published on that this past year. And I once again want to thank Ricky Wong at the University of Washington, Seattle, because he's applied this, this, this approach that was actually developed in DeBoer's group. It's called optical attenuation coefficient imaging using OCT. And the optical attenuation coefficient is just another way of referring to a particular structure on OCT that has a significant amount of reflectivity. And what we know about these retinal pigment epithelium cells, when they leave the RPE, they appear as dots, hyperreflective dots in the red retina and along the RPE, and you can in, 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 use that hyperreflectivity using this optical attenuation coefficient approach to really light up these areas with high reflectivity. And you, it's so much easier to quantify these areas relative to the other reflectivity in the background of the OCTB scan. So he's come up with this algorithm 
that actually allows us to quantify the pigment burden, the hyperpigmentation burden in the back of the eye. And he's developed it both for swept source OCT and spectral domain OCT. And we've been applying it and it's a very powerful technique because now you can not only quantify the hyperpigmentation burden, which allows you to assess the risk, but you can use this OCT coefficient imaging strategy to almost image any layer in the back of the eye. You just have to adjust what level of, of optical attenuation coefficient reflectivity that you're going to identify. So you can identify the RPE layer, you can identify the uh, inner and outer plexiform layer, and you can use it to help identify the choroidal layer. So uh, with Ricky's help, we published on all these different layers, and now we have a single algorithm that can identify the areas of hyperpigmentation using the optical attenuation coefficient strategy. We can image the integrity of the RPE, and this algorithm allows us to image the areas of what we know are geographic atrophy or these hypertransmission defects very easily. And we can image the Drusen layer, the elevation of the Drusen over the Brooks membrane and follow the formation of the hypertransmission defect. So in this algorithm, using the optical attenuation coefficient, we can image all the important stages going from Drusen to hyperpigmentation to hypertransmission defects. So it makes OCT, in my book, it makes OCT the go-to standard for following patients with dry macular degeneration. With a single scan, you can get all this quantitation where otherwise you need to get infrared reflectance, autofluorescence, individual B-scan. Why shop at all these different stores when you can get a single scan, a six by six scan using swept source OCT and just slice it and dice it different ways. I like to say swept source OCT gives us multimodal imaging using a single imaging modality. Well, Phil, thanks a lot for your time today. This was a great discussion. And, uh, and I think it's uh, some exciting developments as this basic research that you're doing is translated into actual clinical instrumentation. Is totally that gonna happen? Is that gonna it is happen? gonna happen. Yeah. Okay. It's fun. Thanks a lot. Remember, Thank you. as you... As you know, always work with people smarter than you, right? Right. That's when you can make some great achievement. Yep. Great. Thank okay. you. Take care.